Welcome everybody, this is Javi once again coming at you quote-unquote live with another podcast featuring Jack Weber from Ohio. So Jack, welcome to the uh, podcast episode. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, of course, man. It's always nice having uh, good people here on this uh, chat. So first question right out of the gate, what intrigued you about speech pathology? Yeah, definitely. And that's a question that I have gotten so often, especially because um, I'm one of few guys in my field and it's mostly women. So people sure. are like, why are you here? Like, what made you come here? Um, a lot of the times I tell them that it's because I love the brain. Other times it's um, I tell them I love language. It's kind of just a mixture of many things all in one. Um, speech pathology is just like a huge field that deals with so many different things um, from brain injury to language development, um, just a bunch of different things. And growing up, I've always been like way beyond intrigued with the brain and how it works. And um, the field of speech pathology kind of reroutes the brain in a lot of ways um, and then works really closely with language, which is a big part of my life. So kind of a a bunch of mixture of things that I have really liked um, about the field. So. How long have you been in this field? So I just graduated grad school. Um, so technically I've only been in the field for about a couple months, um, but getting into the field takes quite a while. You have to go into undergrad um, in the field. You have to go through grad school um, and then obviously a clinical fellowship year. And so that's where I'm at right now. Um, so in the field kind of for a couple months, but really studying it and diving into it for six years. Okay, not bad, not bad. And how old are you? 23. <laughs> so you started off young then. Good. Yeah. So uh, would you say the, su- the success rate from where they start to where they end is pretty high? Yeah, definitely. Especially if it's an accident or something like that where we're really getting in rehab. Um, if we get it in really early, and this is kind of with any rehab, physical therapy, occupational therapy, and speech therapy. Um, if we get in early, we can really see a lot of growth. Um, same thing with like some other kids that weren't in an accident. Um, if we do a lot of therapy over time, we see a lot of growth with them too. And so with this, with this therapy that they go through, what is the average length of time that they go through from point A, which is where they start to point B is when you say you are free to go type of deal? That's a really hard question to answer just because it varies so much. Like we could have a kid that just needs some articulation therapy um, and that could take anywhere from a couple months, a couple weeks, or it could be a couple years, depending on like sure. their deficits. Um, if somebody's in an accident, it kind of, again, depends on their level of accident or like thing that happened to their brain or their vocal system. Um, so that's a hard question to answer, but it, it just kind of depends, I guess. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. What, what is the common age group that you find yourself working with the most? Um, personally, I really like the age of like three to like 15, just because, which is a very wide range. Um, (laughs) but three, they're like able to kind of get some jokes that you say, um, they really understand like kind of what you're saying and you don't have to explain every single direction to them. Um, and then 15, again, they can understand some more jokes. You're really working on some more different things than like just play base like a baby you would be working on with. Um, so kind of that three to 15 age, which is 
pretty wide. What is the most common thing you find yourself working with a person the most? Yeah. Um, so most common thing I think is like just language therapy in general. Um, a lot of people don't really even understand what language therapy is and it's sure. just targeting that like expressive and then receptive component of speech therapy and speech and language. Um, so I think that that's like kind of the, one of the most targeted things that I do with kids any age, um, just because language develops so differently for so many different people. So you can target language from zero to death. So <laughs> you can really do anything with language, yeah. which is really cool. And so I'm always targeting language development with kids. Do you, is it more so once a day, once a week type of deal, or is it custom to per person? Yeah, it's kind of custom to person and custom to what um, placement you're in. So right now I'm in a hospital, like I said, um, sure. we see kids about once a week, unless they're admitted into the hospital, then we might see them a little bit more than once a week, um, especially if they've had like a more severe accident. Um, but it kind of depends if you're in a school, they have school based uh, speech therapists, and they could see them once a week, once a month. Um, so it kind of depends on their severity. I know I'm saying that for like a lot of these questions, but um, sure. it just it depends. And we see kids probably once a week. Has there been any attributing cause? Some things that I've noticed um, are parents that do a lot of screen time aren't really communicating communicating with their um, children as much. So they're really just focusing on that screen time and kind of watching YouTube videos and seeing their language develop through there. Um, so I've noticed a higher incidence in kids that just have more screen time than kids that are like sitting at the table every night talking with their family and discussing things that they can um, be learning or what they're doing in school. Um, so kids that are really like lacking that social and communicative intent um, and really are just focusing on that screen time, I think that's a higher prevalence of kids that are coming in with language disorders. Um, and that's kind of what I've seen in my short time of being in the field. So, okay, so you, you're saying you recommend less screen time and more face-to-face -face communication with the, uh, with, with the toddler? Definitely, yeah. And there's definitely some good things on the screen that we can sure. give kids that, we, that like, um, develop language. But just I think that number one thing is face-to-face -face communication with their family, with their siblings, and learning how they're supposed to be communicating through those models. What would you say to a parent that wants to continue this aside from the therapy that he gets uh, once a week and such like that. Yeah, definitely. So what I recommend to all of my parents um, when I'm first taking them on as a client with the kid um, yeah. is to come into my session, see what I'm doing, really like take it and even take notes too if they're able to and just go home, practice it because what I'm doing in a 45 or like an hour minute session every week is not going to be as much as what the parent could be doing every single night. Sure. And I know that that's probably taxing on the parent to try and be the therapist every night with the kid. Um, but really just kind of taking even like five minutes out of your day and saying like, Oh, what did my speech therapist do in his session or her session? Um, just like try and bring that into the home setting and get that carryover. Cause I think, Carryover has been one of the biggest things that helps kids and differentiates those kids who have success and those kids 
who are really just in therapy for so long, those kids that come home every night or even like once every other night and practice with their parents, um, what the therapist is doing, see so much more growth than those kids that just have that 45 minute a week session um, and don't do anything outside. So see what the therapist is doing in the session, try and take that home, practice it at home, um, ask them for suggestions. They will give you a whole slew of um, directions and things that you can do at home, um, like targeted towards your child too. So definitely ask your therapist and see what you could be doing. And also just go online too and kind of search like, what could I be doing? Um, which is a huge <laughs> world out there. But um, with the guidance of your therapist, I think that that would be a really nice place to start. So with the remaining time that we have, if you were to have a son or daughter with that, with the same speech developmental stuff that, that you teach and stuff, would you take him or her to therapy or with the experience that you have, you would say, I know what to do. Let's do this. That's a really good question. I don't know if I've ever thought about that. And it's kind of the same thing. Like if I was a teacher, like um, if my wife was a teacher, would we, sure. would we have our child go into that grade with that mom or me being the teacher? Um, Cause I could see both sides. Like I know what I'm doing. I feel like I'm the best for my kid. Um, I want to do it. And I'm, I'm more of a control person like that. So maybe I would want to do therapy, but then on the other side, I know that I wouldn't want my son or my daughter to be, resentful towards me trying to work with them all the time like in that designated therapy session and then sure. also like trying to be a dad too so i could see both sides i think probably personally i would lean more towards having somebody else do the therapy and then me targeting it at home but i can definitely see both sides fair enough i guess we'll end it with that to everyone else listening, if you are interested in discussing more on this topic, feel free to reach out or even text me if you have my number and we can continue this discussion offline. Thank you, Jack, for uh, stopping by for this podcast. Hoping to have you again for a different topic and we'll see you next time.